0: Okay, go to James 1 briefly. We're going to be there briefly to try to remind, kind of put everything back together a little bit. And then we're going to be in Matthew. And then we're going to, you're going to be doing a lot of looking a whole bunch of stuff up. All right. So this is part 7. As someone said, part 7.5 on the study of temptation because the first hour this morning ended up getting all messed up. I think in the second hour, I think I did pretty good and trying to remind everyone of the first hour and yet put together everything that we hadn't covered. So I thought I think I did a pretty good job. It's one of those situations where not usually, most of the time I don't think this, but this is one of those situations where I really 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 believe that that what we did this morning was super important because I think the way we approached James 1 is, I don't, I won't say radically different, but very different than the way most approach it. And I think we did very good with the two progressions and looking at them. So we'll, we'll remind ourselves of those progressions and some of the basic points. So I think that was very important. Now, for those listening online who participate in the Bible study exercise, I will obviously be talking about it throughout the week. For this week, the focus is Deuteronomy 8, 2 through 10 and Matthew 4, 1 through 4. Deuteronomy 8, 2 through 10, and I what I always say is when the curriculum for some weird reason decides to cut off a verse, we include it. So we'll go Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 10. I don't know why they cut off verse 1. And Matthew 4, 1 through 4, and if you need to go beyond 4, that's that's okay. The focus the curriculum is going to give us is the first week that we've been working on for the entire week and we worked on this morning, the focus more is understanding really what is temptation, just trying to understand the basic concepts. And we went all in on trying to understand that. The second week is really focusing on a specific temptation. And the temptation that's going to be focused on this week is the temptation to rely on ourself instead of God. And they're using Deuteronomy 8 and Matthew 4 as the text that we'll try to expound that that concept. How well the curriculum does is sometimes I look at it, most of the time I just get the basic concept and go my own direction, but uh, it is there. So tonight we're going to take a Kind of a slight detour. I talked about it this week. I did a little bit of work on it this week. And I gave everyone an assignment who listens online to work on this. And we're going to kind of do the assignment in real time here. But first, let's go back to James chapter 1 and remind ourselves of some ver- some key important concepts here. Probably the m- most important concept was, I'm just this is just review, was the first thing is our definition where we made sure that temptation includes three things, right? That a temptation includes an enticement to, to, a, to evil, an enticement to sin, a trial, a trial of any kind, right? Well, because sometimes we think of a trial, we think, well, someone has to die, the house has to burn down. It can be the most significant thing or insignificant thing. It's anything that happens to us, right? Right? No matter how significant or insignificant, that attempts to get us in thought, word, desire, feeling, or action to go against God's word, right? Does everybody got that? So we brought both concepts together, both concepts, the enticement and the trial. And then we brought in the third concept, which is the test, Right? Because whether it's a tempt, whether it's an enticement to evil or whether it's a trial, it tests to see in what ways we are not conforming to God's word, whether in thought, word, desire, feeling, or action. Okay. And so we brought all of that together. And, and so the, the, the enticement and the trial serves as a test. And we brought that all together. And and the thing I wanted to emphasize is how people typically look at it is, okay, some may agree that temptation is a test and a trial, and then they judge it based off pass or fail, right? If you pass it, then it turns into a good thing, and if you fail it, it turns into a bad thing. And I threw that theory completely out, did I not? What was the theory I put forth? Pass or fail. It's something we, it's a positive thing because of what it brings forth. All right. So that, that's what we talked about. Then we looked at these progressions, right? What was the first progression? The first progression starts in verse, well, we re, really in verse two. Remember, I emphasized over and over, count it all joy, meaning that we have to have a different perspective. So the first thing I want you to remember is the definition. The second thing I want you to remember really is this mindset of count it all joy. And why do we count it all joy? Because whether we pass, whether we fail, it gives us a test to demonstrate what's really going on on the inside, right? So we count count it all joy when you fa- fall into diverse temptations. And that means try, that's enticement to evil and trials. Then we went through this progression, right? Knowing this, That the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Everybody remember the steps of the progression that we talked about for two hours this morning? Right? What were the steps? The temptation. Then the knowing, right? And and that knowing is that we know that something good is going to come from this. The trying of your faith worketh patience, right? We know then... And and, and I separate the knowing just from the trying, just so that we know that we should count it all joy. That the trying of your faith worketh patience. It's the trying of your faith that produces what? Patience or endurance. We don't get the endurance without the trying, without the trying of the faith, the testing of the faith. And how is the testing of the faith accomplished? Through the temptation. Through the temptation, right? Remember? The trying of the faith occurs through the enticement of evil and the trial. It includes both aspects. Yes? Right? And then the trying of the faith bringeth works patience. And then patience, if you let it do its perfect work, leads to spiritual maturity. So the path to spiritual maturity, at least based on James, is doesn't mention church doesn't mention any of the things that we almost every book that talks about spiritual maturity gives you. The path to spiritual maturity is what? Temptation, and which involves enticement and trial. That is how we get there, right? That's how. We, that's the process. That, this doesn't mention anything that's in 99% of the sermons, like how to grow as a Christian. They don't even cover this. And here it literally articulates how do you want to get to perfect and perfect meaning complete or mature. That's the step. Alright? What was the second uh, progression? Alright? Starting in verses 14 and following, right? And uh, and and the the way we covered fourteen and following, I'll just read it. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it bringeth forth, uh, finished bringeth forth death. Right? And the and how did we let, list these? First, we have the temptation. Right? There's the temptation. And remember, once again, it could be either thing: an enticement or a trial. Right? So we have the temptation. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. That was the emphasis here. All temptation comes from where? From within. From within. We all Christians for 2,000 years want to blame everyone else. We want to cancel, silence, boycott. And we have this idea, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. The evil is inside of us. The external temptation has no power if there's not internal depravity. The depravity is the issue. We we think we can fix everything by, I'm not going to look at this, I'm not going to go here, I'm not going to go to this, no, 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 and and I'll be okay. But the problem is you're the problem. Okay? So every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust, right? And then what happens? That lust is, is conceived... Right? Does the NIV use the word conceived? Use the word conceived? I think this one, does it use the word conceived as well? Let me look here. I know know we didn't do a lot of work on the word conceived. I almost feel like we need to, but we won't right now. Yeah, and it says here, um, yep, conceived here, right? They say it's conceived and it gives birth to sin. All right. So basically, it's conceived, it bringeth forth sin, or it gives birth. Now remember, there's a fine line, because there can be a temptation and there can be a trial. It can start showing you, uh-oh, something's not right. But you, there's a fine line between where it's still a temptation, it's still a feeling, before it crosses over to sin. But it doesn't require the action. Right? Doesn't require the action, but there's a a fine line there of where where that line is crossed. So you have temptation, our own lust, it's conceived, gives birth to sin, which leads to death. All right? And then remember, we talked about how the, uh, the following verses, I believe, are not disconnected, even though it feels like it takes a hard left turn. It says, do not err, my beloved brethren, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be kind of a firstfruits of his creatures. And what I believe is being emphasized here is James is saying, we our problem is we have a lust inside, right? A sinful nature. And what does the sinful nature want? To satisfy and gratify its own lust right and and contrast to our lust he puts forth God as being the one who gives perfect gifts there's no variableness in God so in other words what we have to realize is that we always lust for that which is not what God gives and what God gives is perfect right he's the one who we are we are born again by whose will it's, it says right there, everybody read it, right? We are born, uh, if, if, depending on how you translate it, of his own will begat us. We are born again by his own will with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So in a roundabout way, immediately, what does this demonstrate? All perfect things come from whom? God. God doesn't change, and my fact that I'm born again is from whose will? God, so my what should be my will? What should be my desire? Shouldn't it be for the perfect that comes from Him? Yes, what but what's our problem? Go back to the text. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust. My own, my own lust doesn't want what God gives, it wants what I give. So, so. And at a roundabout, why do we count all of this joy? Because the trial and the test reveals what's going on inside of us when we count that joy, not because we're going through it or not because we sinned, but because of what it reveals. Right? Everybody got that down? I know it's a, a long review, but I cannot stress all of that enough. Okay. So we have those two concepts. Now, those are the two progressions. So we took a little detour and we went back to the 1600s. We did this this week and, and we went to John Owen in the 1600s and John Owen had something very interesting to say in regards to temptation. He wrote an article called, What is Temptation? This is from, see John Owen, I always forget his date. I got to look at it. Between 1616, well, it wasn't 1616. That's when he was born. He dies 1683 So somewhere in the 1600s, he writes something called, What is Temptation? And this is what John Owen says. Everybody ready? First, he starts with Matthew 26, 41. Everybody may want to look at that. Matthew 26, 41. We're, We're doing good on time. We're doing good on time. I tried to hurry through that. Matthew 26, 41. If I said 16, I apologize. All right, Matthew 26, 41. Everybody there? All right. And what do you find in Matthew 26, 41? Matthew 26, 41, Jesus says, if I can find the page, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. All right, Jesus is telling someone, to watch and pray, or we could say he's telling some individuals to watch and pray so they don't enter into temptation, right? Everybody see that? Okay, now, look at what Owen does with this. You ready? John Owen starts with this, and I quote, These words of our Savior are repeated with very little alteration by the three evangelists. Matthew and Mark record them as above. Luke says Rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. Look at Luke twenty-two forty-six. Everybody look at Luke twenty-two forty-six. We covered this all this week. Uh, so I'm just going to try to get through this so we can advance this, right? But Luke 22:46, 46, he says, Arise, I think the King James says, Arise, rise, and pray. So, so this is what, uh, so now John Owen's going to put all of this together. The whole caution seems to have been, so he's going to break it into three parts. Arise, watch, and pray that you enter not into temptation. Arise, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Okay? Those are the three things he says we need to do. Arise. Now, we got to look at the context here, but all right. Watch and pray. Now, it's going to seem like John Owen's about to take a weird turn because he just kind of gives us that. And you're like, okay, where is he going to go with this? He's got it. I mean, if he's a good Baptist, he just gave us a three-point outline. Right? What's the three points? Arise. Arise. Watch and pray. That's how we need to combat temptation. But for some weird reason, John Owen d- doesn't he doesn't go there. Guess what he does? Go to Proverbs twenty three thirty four. He goes to Proverbs twenty three thirty four and you're like, wait, wait, John, wait, wait, wait. Hey, Mr. Owen, hey doctor Owen, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? You gave me a three point outline. Come on, give me the three point outline and get us out here in thirty minutes. He goes to Proverbs 23:34. and what do you find in Proverbs 23:34? All right, I'll read it from the king James: "Ye, yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast." All right? Now, obviously, wait a minute, okay, that sounds weird, right? You don't want to be like someone who's laying down in the middle of the ocean. That's probably not smart. You don't want to be someone who's laying on the top of the mast of a ship where the cell is, right? On the top of the... You're going to get thrown all over the place. You're going to probably fall off and die. So who in the world would be like that? Well, the text tells you. Who's going to end up like that? If you look at the previous verses. Yeah, people getting drunk. Yeah, he's talking about alcohol. If you're alcohol, you end up doing what? Lying down in the middle of the sea or crawling up to... Hey, I know what I'll do. I'll crawl up there and go to sleep. You don't do that, which is rational or reasonable. In fact, he describes someone basically getting beat up and not even realizing they're being beat, beat up, right? Like, horrible thing. It's about alcohol. Now, you're like, wait a minute. Why did he just go to alcohol? Well, he's not so much focused on the alcohol. He's focused on someone who lacks the ability or the discernment to see that what they're doing is what? dangerous, foolish, okay? All right, so far so good. Now listen to what he says. Well, let's see how he tries to connect this, right? Because it seems like a weird left turn, right? This is how he connects it. Solomon tells us of some that lie down on the top of a mast or in the midst of the sea, Proverbs 23, 34. This is an accurate picture of men who, who are overtaken by a false security at the brink of destruction. If any have ever done so, the disciples in the garden certainly did. So he's going to say the disciples in the garden are just like the person described in Proverbs. Now, the only problem with that is, let's remember, the person in Proverbs is doing it because of alcohol. But we can replace alcohol, theoretically speaking, that other things could cause this false sense of security so we don't realize danger is at the door. The, The disciples here, it appears, doesn't understand danger is at the door. In fact, John Owen goes on to say, their master was just a little distance from them offering up prayer and supplication with strong crying and tears in other words here's the disciples they're hanging out in the garden and not far from them is Jesus the eternal son of God in great distress he's praying he's pouring his heart out to the father and they don't seem to get it they don't seem to understand all right wait and he's doing that, and they're doing what? Stephen? They're sleeping, right? They're over there sound asleep. They don't seem to get it. He was beginning to taste the cup that was filled with the curse and wrath due to their sins. He's over there drinking, beginning to drink the cup of God's wrath, and they're that like... They don't even seem to understand what's happening, right? The Jews... We're nearby armed for his and their destruction. They don't even realize they're over there sleeping. The Jews are getting everything ready to come and get him. They, they are oblivious to it all. Now, we could argue, to be fair, because whenever there's preaching, you've got to re- realize, is this the imagination of Owen? Is he, is he creating a scenario? I don't know what's going through the minds of the disciples because I don't want to say, right? Like for me, I'd be like, what's your problem? Other people are like, well, they're tired, right? Because some people, the house could be on fire. If they're tired, they're just going to go to sleep. They don't care, right? So, I, so maybe they're just tired. Maybe, maybe we, we don't want to put too much on them, but he's, drawing, he's trying to use this to draw a bigger picture. Does that make sense? All right, but hang on, let's stay with this. Jesus had earlier informed them that this was the night of his coming betrayal and death. The disciples saw that Jesus was sorrowful and very heavy. Look at Matthew 26, 37 to see if that confirms that. Matthew 26, 37. Matthew 26, 37. Do, do, do we agree it confirms it? or okay, Do they see it? Or twenty six thirty seven, I should say. Yeah, he tells them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. So it's not like that they don't understand what's going on. He's already told them he's going to be betrayed. He's already told them multiple times he's going to die, right? Now he's telling them he's in great sorrow. And yet, where, do we, where are they going to find, find him in a few minutes? Sleeping. Now, you either have to say, Man, they were really, really tired, right? Or what, do you, what conclusions do you draw? They were either weren't worried about it. You could argue they didn't care. I, I don't know. I mean, there's lots of uh, uh, negative assumptions one could be, could be made, right? He even told them plainly that his soul was exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Verse 38, agreed. He entreated them to wait and watch with him. He was dying and dying for them. In this condition, as he left them for just a little while, like men who had, forsake, who had forsaken all their love toward him or care for themselves, they fell fast asleep. He says, even the best of saints being left to themselves will quickly appear to be less than men to be nothing. In other words, it doesn't take us very long to demonstrate that we're less than nothing. It sounds like the, their eyes were open. Right. Well, I mean, they're told plainly. They are. They're told plainly. So they, whatever the issue is, I, I think what, I think this is what we're, I think what's trying to be demonstrated here, and if we go back to our James progression, right, what we see here is what they are facing, they don't care about what they're facing, right? They care about, what they f- what they desire? What do they desire at that moment? Sleep. Like at that moment, what do they care more about? Themselves. And is that where does that flow from? Sinful nature. That's our nature, right? No matter how much we try to claim we love other people, by our nature, what do we always love more than anything else? Ourself, 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 ourself. ourself right? They demonstrate this, right? They, so they, they, the, the sinful nature is already there. No matter what they hear, what they desire is greater than all the things that they are perceiving and and recognizing or seeing. All right. And so what he says is even the best of saints, you can take the best saint. You can take the strongest Christian. You can take the most godly Christian. And, uh, as, as, uh, Owen says, leave them to themselves quickly. They will appear to be less than a man. They will appear to be nothing. They take, it's just that quick. It's all it takes. We don't want to believe that about ourselves, right? We don't want to believe it about ourselves. We don't want to believe it about our spiritual heroes. We don't want to believe it, but it is true. Now, listen. All our own strength is weakness and and all our own wisdom is folly, so our strength is actually weakness. Our wisdom is actually folly. Which goes right back to James. Right? Does it that go back to James? What did James, remember after the first progression, what's the first thing that is said in James 1? Well, if anyone lacks wisdom, telling us we need to ask for wisdom. Why? Why, Why do we need wisdom? Because we, we can't understand that progression without wisdom. we got to look at things from a biblical perspective. From an earthly perspective... Do we look at trial and suffering and and, and, and all of that as a counted all joy? At, no, do we don't even care about our spiritual growth, do we? We want we want relief, we want peace. So immediately he says that even our wisdom is but what? Folly and our strength is but weakness. Now listen here, Peter was one of those that fell asleep and that soon after he had expressed such self-confidence that he would not forsake him even if all others did. Peter goes from, hey, I don't know about anybody else, but I got this, asleep. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to build a, a, a quick timeline of Peter to demonstrate some points here. Okay. So we're going to have to work together. All right, here we go. First thing we need to do is we need to gather verses where Peter is claiming, I'll never, I'll never deny you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Everyone else may. Okay. Let's look up uh, all the references and we'll, we got to group them together. We got to group them together. Right. First thing I just want to see, we'll call this Peter's boasting. Maybe we shouldn't call it Peter's boasting. We'll call it Peter's confession. Right? I know you, let's start looking. I don't know how many different times does he make a, a said kind of boast or claim or confession. Oh, in chapter 26, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go in order, but yeah, we need to try to find the first time. First time, Peter starts making these kinds of uh, claims. Of which one? Yeah, we got to go to the first, we're going to try to do them in chronological order. I know he has to, I think he has to do it before twenty-six. And if someone on, let me see here. I think I have emails. People have already done this, but okay. All right. I don't think so. All right. All right. So let's see if we can find this. We'll see who can find it first. No, where Peter claims, I'm not. Hey, if anyone, if anyone else is. Now, whenever Jesus predicts he's going to be betrayed or whenever Jesus predicts he's going to be denied. What is Peter's what is Peter's reaction to it? OK, where are you at? Okay, is there anything before Matthew 26? We're trying to do it in chronological order. Is there anything before 26? Okay. I just want to make sure, we're just, we're, going to, we're just trying to go in order to make sure there's nothing else. Look for passages where Jesus predicts his denial. Does he not predict it till 26? If he does it, predict it before 26, then, you're, then we're pretty safe. I'm just trying to make sure we don't leave any stone unturned. Any place where he predicts his death or his betrayal. That's probably where you're going to find Peter stepping up talking. Now, we definitely, I, I, we all are in agreement that it's in 26. And if that's where we have to go, that's where we'll go. I just want to make sure we don't miss any others. Where? Okay, does Peter say anything in regards to it? Okay. Yeah, now in 16, well, we see Peter rebuking him. He doesn't make any claims about himself. He just tells him that that's never going to happen. Okay, yeah. So we know in 16, he doesn't make any claims about himself. Now, we could, we could use Matthew 16, but I won't right now. We won't use it right now. I mean, in fact, we could kind of use Matthew 16. That's kind of where I was thinking, but I, don't, I, I, will, I will leave it out. I'll leave it out for now. Okay, all right. So then we'll go to 26. Everybody, everybody feel comfortable giving any chance for any rebuttal or, or dis- differences of opinions? All right, we're going to go to 26. Everybody agree? An overwhelming amount of yeses. Okay, all right. We're going to go to Matthew twenty-six. Okay, all right. Then where does the discussions really kick into play here? Okay, thirty-one is the first place. Okay, well uh, they have the Passover meal starting in verse seventeen. Would we agree that that's fair? Okay. Does Jesus say anything in the Passover meal? Okay, verse 21, he says, someone's going to betray me. Yes. Everybody see that? Now remember, this is proceeding right before they're going to go to sleep, right? So now they know someone's going to betray him. Yes. Okay. They were exceedingly sorrowful and began uh, every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? So they're upset. They Clearly they that shows that they know what's going on, right? But what are they concerned with? Is it me? I think that's a good thing. To, do you think that's a good thing? I think that's a good thing. Yes. Right. Uh, then he answered, whoever's going to dip his hand with me in the dish. Right. The son of man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto the man by whom the son of man is betrayed. Uh, it had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He saith unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Okay, they go through the Lord's Supper, right? Everybody got that? When they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. And then, lo and behold, who steps up? Peter. And he answered and said unto him, Though all men be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Stop right here. Okay, so you may want to write down Matthew 26, as the first, we'll call it, what do we want to call it? Do we want to call it a confession? Do we want to call it a boast? Do we want to call it a claim? What do we want to call it? I, I, well, pride is judgmental, so I don't want to use a judgmental term. Boasting is somewhat judgmental. Okay, well, I'm going to call it a confession. He's confessing something. What is he confessing? His loyalty, right? He's confessing what he's going to do. Peter actually believes it. I mean, he's not just claiming it. I think he really believes it's going to take place. Yes? Okay. Now, uh, did anyone find anything in Mark, Luke, or John of Peter making similar confessions? Either it's a repeat of this or is there a separate one? Okay. What are they? Okay, Mark 14, 26 to 31. I'm I'm assuming it's going to be a repeat of this. I could be wrong. It's got to be close. Hang on, Mark 14. Yeah, 26, yes. Peter asserts his loyalty, all right? It's the same story. So those are just cross-references to the same story, all right? Which are good. But do we want to know if... I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, Yeah, go ahead to the next one. Yeah, it's probably going to be the same story, Luke 22, based on where that's located. Luke 22. Yeah, same story, same story, okay. John 13, I'm assuming it's going to be the same story. How many you think it's going to be the same story? Or maybe not. Okay, here we go. Now we have a separate one. All right, actually then, John 13 would be the first one. That would be before Matthew 26, right? Okay, so now we, we want to put these in order, right? So the first one is John 13, right? Because um, what, what is told here? Okay, uh, uh, Jesus says in Matthew, uh, or Matthew, John 13, 35, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whether goest thou? Jesus answered, whether I go, you cannot follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why can I not follow thee? I will lay down my life for thy sake. There's the first claim of Peter that he will do what? I will die for you. I will die for you. That's Peter's first claim. I will die for you. Jesus tells him, you're going to deny me. Yes? Does Peter say anything after that? Nothing is recorded. Right? Agreed? All right? So the first reference is John 13, 36-38. John 13, 36-38. The second reference we have right now is Matthew 26 30, is that 30? Yeah, Matthew 26, 33. All right, is there uh, any other references? That's Matthew and John. Is there any other references in Luke or Mark that would precede these? Okay, Luke 22, which I think is gonna be, it's just gonna be a retelling of uh, of the passage in Matthew. It's Luke 22, I can almost guarantee it is. All right, Luke 22, yes, it's the same story, all right? Any other accounts? Took us a little bit to get to the John passage, but that's okay. So we got John first, then we got Matthew first. Any others? Any others? Any other references? In Mark, or in Luke, or in John? All right. I'm going to say that y'all have exhausted all search possibilities, right? Okay? We're going to, we're going to stop right there, all right? Got to look to see. Okay, good. All right. Nothing's popping up yet. Okay. All right. So we're, we're, we're going to say this. Is, we're going to be, are we, are we certain? Are we dogmatic? Okay, we're going to say we're dogmatic. All right. These are it. So prior to, first prior to the Passover, Prior to anything, Peter's at least made one claim of what I will die for you right That's one claim. then in Matthew 26, what's the second claim? okay, though all other men may offend you be offended by you, I will not be offended all right does Peter make is there another claim in Matthew 26? Okay, now Peter makes a third statement, and that third statement is verse 35. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet I will not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. They all make the claim. They all make the claim. All right? I, I, I Well, I'm not going to say anything. Okay, all right. So we've got three claims. We got three claims. What are the three claims made by Peter? Claim number one, the exact words. No, the first claim is in John. I will lay down my life. I will die for you, all right? Second claim. Yeah, I'll never be offended because of you, by you, in regards to you, okay? Third I will not deny you. I will die, I will not be offended, and I will never deny. That's the simplest That's Peter making those claims. He makes all of those claims. Now we could go to Matthew 16. I, I still think there's a, well, Well, we'll leave it. We'll see what happens this week because because I'm not trying to do all the homework for everyone who's participating, all right? So now go back to Matthew 26. All right. Matthew 26, look at verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane and saith unto the disciples, sit here, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. Now who's with him? Look at verse 37. He took with him Peter, who's made what three claims? I will die with you. I'll never be offended. And I will not deny you even if it means my death. Right, He takes the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto his disciples and find them. And look who he speaks to. Isn't that interesting? Who does he speak to? Peter. Who has made all these... Now, the other disciples made at least some claims. But Peter have seems to be made, have made the most claims. There could actually be another claim somewhere in there. But we'll see if we can... You know, who finds it this week if they can find it. All right? But clearly... Peter is the one who's made the biggest claims, the biggest boast. I will never deny you. I will, I will never be offended by you. I will die with you. And he speaks to Peter. And where is Peter? He's asleep. He's asleep. Now, let's, let's look at this. Let's look at this. Remember our progressions, right? Our progressions that we've talked about all morning, Right? two hours we've talked about the progressions we see a little bit of the progressions taking place here right you kind of have some you 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 got some temptation that's getting ready to happen here because you got their own lust at work here right and what what does our sinful nature want our sinful nature will always put who above anyone else self our sinful nature will always do what else It will, it will seek self gratification self satisfaction self i mean I can go on and on and on, but guess what else our our sinful nature has a tendency to do our sinful nature has a tendency to blind us of the reality of what and who we are peter re- do you think Peter is making this up? do you think Peter really believes I will die I will not be offended I will lay down my he really believes it. But his own... Na- Again, what, is, what do we say? I mean, it, it's, it's biblical. The, the heart is? Deceitful above. What is the most deceitful thing on the face of the planet? Your own heart. Your own sinful nature. You can't see it. So therefore, do you, do you realize how messed up this system is from like a human perspective? All right, so God creates us. We end up with a sinful nature, and that very sinful nature deceives us, not only in how sinful we are, but it deceives us in the very, about what we will or will not do. We can't even be honest with ourselves. Peter is, this is false security. This is Peter thinking, I can just lay down in the middle of the ocean. I can sleep up there on the mat. Because it's like a drunk person. What is he drunk with? Not wine, with his own sinful nature. The very essence of sin is pride. So, so I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna keep po- focusing on the sinful nature. And what does he say to Peter? What, what? could you not watch with me one hour? Now that's kind of. If you put. All, if you put all of Peter's claims right before the what, it's really sarcastic, right? Hey, 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 hey. I'm going to follow you no matter what. Hey, 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 I'll never be offended. Hey, I will die. Hey, I will never deny you. What? You couldn't stay up one hour. Wow. Talk about some deep commitment you got going on there, Peter, right? You got some deep commitment. You couldn't stay up for how long? One hour. Now, what does he say? Watch, pray, that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now we put the three together from Luke. He tells him three things. If we put them together, what are the three things? No, no, no. Now what Peter's claim. When we go to the Luke passage, we talked about this at the very beginning. That verse that I just read, Luke quotes that verse, but he, Luke gives that same verse, but he doesn't use the same words. Remember? arise okay what so what are the three things jesus tells peter then arise watch and pray now what's the arise then referencing wake up peter wake up what else watch what does he need to be watching what do you think he's telling him to watch I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a million-dollar question. I mean, we, everyone reads it. I mean, what is he telling him to watch? I mean, this like, whenever you read this, you should ask yourself, what is he telling Peter to watch? Is he telling him to watch the weather, the sky, the trees? What is he telling him to watch? You think he's telling him to watch himself? What do you think he's telling him to watch? What do you think? Oh, it would be interesting to see how much disagreement we can get on the word Watch. What, what does everyone think he's telling him to watch? I mean, we've all read it. I mean, come on, you, ha- you had to interpret it somehow when you read it. Yeah, I it like. Okay, okay, let, let's do this. Uh, does every translation use the word watch? Okay, let's look up the Greek word real quick for watch and just see what it means. Let's look up the Greek word for watch. We don't have to actually say the Greek word for time's sake. We can just, what does it mean? Oh, we gotta hurry, gotta hurry, gotta hurry, gotta hurry. Gotta hurry, gotta hurry, gotta hurry. We hurry. <laughs> got it? Just what 's the base, simple definition, the most simplistic meaning of the word? Get strict attention to. be cautious, take heed. all right, so he 's telling him to watch, so what is he telling him to get to be cautious about, to take heed of, to, to, to pay attention to? What is he telling him to look for? Okay, you think it 's the temptation? All right, so so we we all think he's telling him to watch because he knows he's about to possibly enter into temptation. So he's watching like, hey, watch for temptation. Like, hey, be on the lookout for temptation. Be cautious for temptation. Is he telling him to watch for temptation out there? I mean, he's telling him to be cautious and to look out for something, right? That's how we all understand the Greek word, right? So what do you think he's telling him to watch? I mean, this is just the kind of question you should ask yourself when you're reading. If, if Jesus tells someone to watch, your first question as a good Bible student should be, what are you watching? <laughs> right? Peter, what are you supposed to be watching out for? So is he looking out like, be on the lookout for the people coming to get me? Watch me? Watch self? What do we think? Okay, wrong. Stephen's committed. He's committed. He's telling Peter to watch yourself. Right? Be on the lookout for yourself. Anybody else got a different idea? No, nobody wants to make a commit a committed uh, answer to the word watch. Okay. Then we're, gonna, we're just going to go that he is telling Peter to watch himself. Pay attention to yourself. Be on the lookout for yourself. Be cautious of yourself. Do, do we agree? All right. Then he says, wake up. Hey, Peter, you got to wake up. In other words, you got to be alert. You got to pay attention to yourself. It's right there. It's open book. What's the third thing? No, arises first. He's, you got to wake up first. Okay, watch, and then finally, pray, right? The third thing is pray, right? So, wake up, that's a little, like, a physical wake up. It's a physical wake up, but I think, obviously, it could be carried with a more metaphorical sense, right? Wake up spiritually, watch yourself, and pray, right? Putting your focus where? Yeah, the praying. Putting the focus on the Lord, right? He doesn't seem... I mean, is he telling him to pray that this doesn't happen? No, Peter's already been told what's going to happen repeatedly, right? Yeah, but I mean, he's been told specifically what's going to happen. Peter wouldn't listen to it. He was told that, hey, I'm going to die. Peter wouldn't listen to it. Remember, he rebuked him. It was called Satan. He's been told that you're going to deny me three times. Peter and listen so now is he praying pray that that doesn't what what is peter to pray about well that's that's always the million dollar question when it comes to temptation but we do know this he wants him to wake up be uh, alert to the reality of what's going on inside and pray which is the least get, get, you're getting your focus off where yourself you're putting it on god Right? So you're waking up and you're watching because you know what's going on inside of you, but instead of being preoccupied with what's going on inside of you, you're putting your focus to God. Does that not seem to be what He's trying to do? Okay? That seems to be the, the progression here, and that progression plays itself out. All right? Now, what happens? Indeed, the, uh, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, that's, that's pretty interesting, right? meaning it he's acknowledging Jesus right here is acknowledging what Paul is going to confess in Romans right what what is being acknowledged here that spiritually they want they are what no spiritually the, what does the text say no the willing, the spirit is willing. So they are willing. They willing to want to do the right thing. In other words, this is not that they don't want to do the right thing. They don't care. Willingly, they the spirit is willing. Right. So there is something in them that wants to do the right thing. They don't want to be sleeping. They, there's a part of them that wants to do the right thing. But what is weak? The flesh which once again demonstrates the, the whole problem that Paul's going to talk about in Romans 7, right? Which Christians constantly deny because we seem to preach, most Christians do, that once you get saved, then all of a sudden, dun, 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 you have superpowers and you can overcome everything, which doesn't happen. Because what still remains? A flesh that is weak. And that flesh weak is what? The weak flesh is your sinful nature. Not only, to, not only your sinful nature, but your just body, your corrupt body, right? But it's your sinful nature. So where does the problem lie? Internally. What do we got to wake up to? We got to wake up to that reality. What do we have to watch out for? That reality. And we have to put our focus on that, which is spiritual. Does that make sense? Right? But all of this follows the progressions in James. I don't have time to keep connecting it back. But the same progressions are there, right? Okay, and so I want you to keep, for those who are doing the Bible study exercise this week, work on those progressions. Now, let's go back to the text. What happens? He went away again the second time and prayed, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, uh, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he cometh to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest, behold the hour is at hand. When he, so in other words, when he comes back the third time, they're still what? They're still sleeping. They can't stay awake for crying out loud. You talk about a, not only from a human perspective, how utterly messed up that is. He's there. Who's he suffering for? Them. And they can't stay awake, which demonstrates kind of in a very powerful way. That's us. We can't stay awake. Because we are sinners. So even though he gives them the right words, they, they don't they don't go on. And then look at and then look what happens. They're betray, he's, uh, Jesus is betrayed, he's arrested, right? Jesus is before Caiaphas, and then look what happens in Matthew 26, I think starting in verse 69. Not too long. Well, we don't know how many hours maybe lapse here, but look what happens. He denies him. And how many times does he deny him? Verse 69 to 75, he denies him three times. He denies him three, just like it said it would, it would occur. Meaning Peter had what? A complete false sense of security all those times he was bragging and all those times he was so bold. That's why we have to realize any bragging Any what we claim that we're, hey, I don't, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do this. You're five seconds away from falling right on your face. You can't have false security. And that's what John Owen was trying to say in the 1600s. Let me see if I can go back and try to wrap this part up. All right. It says, here we go. Um. All our own strength is weakness and all our own wisdom is folly. Peter was the one of those that fell asleep and that soon after he had expressed such self-confidence that he would not forsake him even if all others did. Our Savior said, said to Peter, Could ye not watch with me one hour? It seems to imply in his words that if Peter could not watch for just one hour, he was not likely to fulfill his boast, never to forsake him, as if to say, Could you really hold out if you cannot even watch with me for an hour? Is this how you're going to die for me? Being dead in security while I'm dying for you. That's very well said. Hey, you're dead in your security while I'm over here dying for you. It is amazing thing to consider that Peter should make so high a promise and then immediately be so careless and remiss in the pursuit of it. We find, however, that in our own hearts, that same root of treachery, abiding and working all the time. It bears fruit in us every day. The most noble promises of obedience quickly ends in deplorable negligence the most noble promises of obedience quickly ends in deplorable negligence. That's how it ends. The Lord Jesus sought to stir them up to see their condition, their weakness, their danger. Ruin lay right at the door. They needed to wake up, to watch, and to pray. They needed to wake up, they needed to watch, and to pray. So, Now, take everything from James. What do we need to wake up to? We need to wake up to what temptation... So now, if you want to put a little outline together, here we go. What do we need to wake up to? We need to wake up to a true understanding of what temptation is. What is temptation? Temptation is an enticement to evil or trial that tries to get us in our thoughts, Words, feeling, desire, and action to do that which is contrary to God's word. And it does so in order to test us, to show us what's really going on. We got to w- wake up and know what re- temptation really, really, really is. Right? Does that make sense? Second, we have to wake up and realize what is the purpose of temptation and trial? What is the purpose? To bring us to spiritual maturity. Right? It's to bring us to spiritual... The, the path to spiritual maturity is what? Not all the things everyone tells you. The real path to spiritual maturity is going through temptation and trial. And that includes success and failure. Right? Right? Some people think that they're further down the road because they never failed. Sometimes you may not be near down the road. But you may not be. Look, who was called a man after God's own heart? David. He failed. So we would say, you don't get to call yourself that. Correct? Right? But obviously, Abraham was called a friend of God. Well, wait, we would say, how dare he be called that? Correct? Correct? All right? Solomon's called the wisest man who ever lived. He had seven hundred concubines and three hundred wives. We wouldn't put them in any good category, right? Meaning that sp- where you get spiritually may not always be determined by the numbers of, of success or failures. Doesn't mean we judge. Doesn't mean we excuse a failure. Doesn't. I'm not saying that. Don't take me that I'm saying. Well, f- go fail. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that, it, that spiritual maturity is more than how many points I get. Correct? Okay, so we got to wake up to this. We got to wake up to this whole process, all right? So we got to wake up to what temptation is. We got to wake up to what it actually does, right? What It's process. What else do we need to wake up? We need to wake up and realize what? Where the source of temptation is. It, where was the source of temptation for those guys in the garden? It was inside, it wasn't outside. The source of temptation was where? Even for Peter, right? When, he, when they're like, hey, 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 weren't you with Jesus? What's the source of that temptation? Not the person asking him, it's himself. Because he's more. he, he is more, sometimes what we boast the most about or protest the most against is really the sign of where we're the weakest. We cover it up. We cover it up. So many times that happens. The preacher who will preach the hardest against a certain sin will probably be that's the sin that takes him down because he's trying to overcompensate for his own weakness. Instead of sometimes just saying, i I got a problem. That's that's me. Okay. That's me. We don't want to say that. So we were like, how dare that? That is so ungodly. We need to boycott it. How about we just to say, well, the reason I want to boycott it is because I want it. Right? Well, we're not so good at doing that. Correct? We're not so good at doing that. So we gotta wake up and realize that the issue is where? It's inside. So those are some things we need to wake up to. You can add more, but I'm running out of time. So we got to wake up. What do we need to watch? We have to watch ourselves, and what we watch for how we're thinking, for how we're speaking, or how we're feeling, how we're desiring, and how we're acting. And we got to watch for the, the as soon as temptation shows up, we have to immediately watch to see. It's almost like having a a, a a detector on your phone going, beep, 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 beep. Oh, there's a problem right there. I got a problem, I got a problem, I got a problem. We got to see it immediately. But most of the time, we're not looking at the meter. What are we doing? We're sound asleep. We got to wake up and we got to watch. And we're not, it's, we're not watching for the failure. We're not watching for the victory. We're watching for what? How the trial or temptation, how it impacts us inside. Because it gives us some indicator. Whoa, I'm really drawn to this. Oh, I'm getting closer to this. What is going on? We're supposed to see that. All right? So we're supposed to watch ourselves. And then pray. What's the point of prayer? Well, obviously the point of prayer is not to stop trials. Because clearly they're going to happen. Clearly, it's not even really to stop the temptation. Now, I know that's still bizarre because I don't know how in the world we understand the Lord's Prayer where it says, lead me not into temptation because the, the, I don't know how that works because the temptation is where? And in us. But the point is, we're to put our focus where? Off us and on God. In other words, we're not focusing all of our time on the sin. Our, we are focusing on God, which then will, should lead us where? If you think about it, if I'm putting my focus on God, that's actually leading me away from sin. We have a tendency to put the focus on the sin, right? Like if you're struggling with the sin, it's like, I got to read all these scriptures about this sin, and I need these 15 books on how to overcome this sin. Well, you start spending all that time focusing on your sin. I'm not saying there's never a time to not look at it, but you got to put your focus on God. That's where prayer, and, so by, and a sense that leads you where? Well, if I'm focusing on God, where am I being led away from? The sin. Right? I'm going to be, you know what happens in James? What's immediately after the second progression? What's the focus in in James 1? Right after the progression. We talked about it. No, that's that's the first progression. The second progression. What's right after the second progression? I started this sermon by reviewing it. Immediately the focus turns to God. Focus on God and all His good gifts. Focus on God's character because that will lead you where? Not into temptation that leads you away from the sin because you're not focusing on the sin. What are you focusing on? Go again, look at James. It's open book. God's good gifts. That His character, there's no variableness of Turning or shadow in him. It's all, you're focusing on him. That's why I think James 1, that that everyone separates that. Usually the sermon preaches the progression, and then the next week is that second part. You can't separate it because you need a 30-minute sermon. How about go a little over time and put them together, which is what we tried to do today. Because the two fit perfectly. So, we need this week, I want you to think about, for those listening online as you're working on the next temptation, I want you to, don't forget these progressions, but I want you to, what, what do we need to wake up to, what do we need to be watching, and what do we need to be praying? And there we go. Well, I was hoping someone would ask that question, because Jesus, Jesus seemed to say, Well, I, 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 I don't say it was going to solve anything, but it just seemed that Jesus brought them there to watch him. Right? Watch with me. Right? So I think in a sense that if they would have been focusing on Jesus and how much he was suffering for them, maybe... Right. I, right, I, 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 think, I think then the focus wouldn't have been on self. The focus would been like, look how much he's suffering for me, which would hopefully have led to more prayer or more compassion, love. I don't know. I mean, that's that's the debate. I was hoping someone would bring that up because I think, I don't know if Jesus was saying, watch himself. I think he was saying, watch me. I'm suffering. I'm drinking the cup of God's wrath on your behalf. If I'm watching that, I should be overcome with gratitude and love for the one doing that, which should lead me away from temptation and lead me closer to him. I think that he's saying watch him, but I I didn't want to give it away. I was hoping, I was going to say, but I got no problem saying we should watch self because we do have to watch self, right? We watch self at least from this, at least there's an, I I think in that category there, in that uh, text, he's saying watch him. But overall, we are to watch self. Right? but in the minute we watch self, we're like, whoa, I got a problem. Well, what do I immediately need to do when I realize I got a problem? Now look more at self, look where? To him. Watch and pray. Right? So the minute you're like, oh, man. Now, obviously, they were such false sense of security, they didn't even detect in themselves that they were a little bit worried or a little bit concerned. They were like, we're so safe here, we're just going to go to sleep. That's what Owen's uh, point was, is that false security. But if they would have taken a second to realize, maybe they're, what if Jesus is about to be taken? How would I, ooh, I'd be scared to death. I may actually deny him. I'm gonna watch Jesus, right? So I think in a roundabout way, maybe that would have worked. All right, we'll pray. Lord God, we come before you this evening. These are some very, 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 very important truths on some very, very important concepts. I pray that we would spend the time this week thinking about this. Meditating on this and that we don't, we don't just let these truths about James 1 and those progressions just slip away and and this warning about false security slip away. Hope we would give it serious thought and it would help us as we consider Deuteronomy 8 uh, this week and uh, Matthew 4. And we ask this in Jesus' name and God's people said.